Radio. I am your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. In fact, I was kind of surprised today. I saw on LinkedIn it was my 10th anniversary, and I didn't even realize that. And so thank you for all those that reached out and um, and uh, kind of lifted my spirits with that. This has been quite a journey. My mom had dementia for 30 years, and so it was life-changing, and I um, decided to step into this space and try to make a difference. And so here on Alzheimer's Speaks, all voices are welcomed. We truly believe that we can't move the pendulum forward if we're not having a conversation and being inclusive. And so it's just an honor to have created this uh, advocacy-based platform, and and the radio show is just one of them. We do video chats with people uh, who actually are living with the diagnosis of dementia. We have a blog, a resource site, and I do speaking and training and consulting as well, and so it's just It's really been a a privilege and an honor. And this month, in case you don't know, uh, September is Dementia Awareness Month. And so it's, uh, I guess it seems fitting that it's my 10th anniversary in this month. I also want to thank our audience listeners because your loyalty has just touched my heart um, so deeply. Your likes, your clicks, your shares, they are valuable. And they're pushing this information out in all of these voices, services, and products and tools that people have created to improve our dementia care out into uh, out into the universe and you know sharing it with your family and friends and colleagues is is again making a massive difference you've gotten us recognized by Oprah Maria Shriver and Dr Oz and and now AARP of Minnesota as a um, disruptor and a inspiring leader and and we wouldn't have done that without you that happened because of you so again thank you so much and keep in mind that we'd love to hear your story as well so reach out to me through the radio show or you can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and um, call me or shoot me an email you know whatever works for you and you can join our conversation today as well at 323 870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. Now, before I introduce our guest today, of course, I have to mention that it is 9-11. And just want to send prayers and comfort to all of those who lost a loved one or a coworker or a friend um, or an acquaintance. Um, who who died or sustained physical, mental, or emotional injuries. This has just had such a huge impact on our on our country and the world at large. And it's nice to see how we are still honoring those who lost their lives or um, you know became disabled or injured through this process or who have fought for us. Um, from firefighters and police and EMTs to the neighbors on the street pitching in to help. Um, And again, our armed services who continue to be there. And um, I hope you all feel the power of our presence, our love, and our respect. We honor you all. Now, our show today is going to be a really interesting one and and one that I am... um, very passionate about because I think I don't think we hear this story enough. You see, Alzheimer's and dementia knows no barriers, and yet we don't really hear a lot of stories, um, and especially love stories um, from our um, LGBT community. And so today um, we are we are going to. 
address and and hear a beautiful, um, passionate love story from Michael Horvick, who um, cared for for his husband. And um, I, I'm excited to to get this out because again, I think. I think these voices need to be heard, just like so many other cultures. We we need to hear from everybody to make sure that we're serving them. And, you know, although there has been some strides made, there are still so many communities that are dealing with dementia and are underserved, and that, that needs to change. So today, uh, again, we are lucky to have uh, Michael Horvick with us, who is going to share his beautiful love story with his husband, um, Gregory, who de- developed dementia. And Michael's going to set the stage of their long-term relationship, how they dealt with Alzheimer's disease, and held on to their love for one another throughout the journey. Now, Michael holds a BA in liberal arts and sciences from the University of Illinois. And um, he also has a degree uh, work at the Hunter College in New York, his master's um, as an education generalist um, with a concentration in gifted education from the National Lewis University of Everston and an advanced certificate in education administration and supervision from the U of I in um, Urbana. And so this guy, he, he can't stay still. And you're going to hear that in my next, uh, my next comment here. You see, he worked as an elementary and a university teacher for 30 years, and he's been retired for 20. But in the meantime, he's gotten even more active as an educator, a speaker, a story writer, um, a storyteller, a poet, a photographer, a blogger, an artist, a jeweler, a lecturer, an actor, and a museum curator. And those are just to name a few until dementia knocked on their door. And then he became a full-time care partner for his husband, Michael. So, um, or for his husband, Gregory, I'm sorry. Michael, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Laura. I'm looking forward to spending uh, the hour with you and our listeners. Yeah, I I want you to start out and just tell people a little bit more, if you can give us a little more background as to um, yours and, and Gregory's story. And um, just, just give us, because I know it's a long-term relationship, you know, just a snippet of how you met and what your life was like before uh, dementia hit. Sure. Uh, first of all, I, I too want to say that, that in many ways I'm humbled uh, by by today's auspicious, what is it, 17 years uh, since uh, the towers uh, yep. came down and many many lives were lost, and and I'm humbled when I tell my story because I think that when any catastrophic illness or experience strikes, whether it's uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, suicide, accidental or sudden death, whatever, the true colors of the people involved in the caregiving team. Uh, rise to, to the top, and, and they're there uh, to take care of what needs to be taken care of. So, so again, as you uh, mentioned, um, a shout-out to all of those people who were able to get through that horrible event and keep going. Um, I also want to mention that if I do get choked up, I might pause uh, for a moment. Uh, it, this is a very personal story. Um, I'm very comfortable uh, in crying in front of an audience. It's just that it's awfully hard to talk and cry at the same time. So if I do get choked up, I might disappear for a moment, take a few deep breaths, but I'll be right back probably before uh, you even notice that I left. Um, okay. Let me tell you, Gregory and, Gregory and I uh, lived in a, in a same-sex committed relationship for over 41 years. Um, it's amazing how time flies. Um, most likely, uh, he was uh, diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's, although I'm not sure that, that it wasn't maybe front lobe uh, type of dementia in the 29th year of our relationship. And it was also early uh, onset. He was 55 years old. Uh, also, I might mention I'm not really the expert in the field of dementia and Alzheimer's, but rather someone who's experienced it directly and intensely. So, you know, that, that's part of the story. Um, you mentioned uh, some of my uh, accolades and busyness. Thank you. 
Um, let me mention <laughs> that Greg earned his earned his BA at Wesleyan University in Connecticut and received his master's degree from Harvard University, where he studied uh, architecture with Phi Beta Kappa recognition. Uh, he had his own high-end architecture and interior design firm. Uh, the firm was architect of record for many of the renovations going on at the Baha'i National Shrine in the suburb of, of Chicago, Illinois. Um, he was a writer, an artist, well-versed in music, art history, concert-level pianist, spoke French, and won uh, many awards for his architecture and interior design skills. Um, so one thing that, I, that I'll say um, is that, that we, we always lived a very full life. Uh, up up until the diagnosis, and uh, when we received the diagnosis, we decided that we had a choice to uh, lie down and die, or to hunker down and keep going. And 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 the thing that is so important um, that we that we knew and practiced was that a diagnosis of dementia is not a death sentence. Um, one can live well and full. Um, and, and make the most use of the time that you're allowed um, with, with, with the illness. And, and one of the things that I'll say about Greg is he was not a victim of Alzheimer's, but rather he was a hero. Um, in, in looking back, uh, we're coming up on his, the, the anniversary of his death, which is October 4th. Uh, it'll be three years. Um, and I, I'm slowly being able to say that neither of us, uh, we're victims of Alzheimer's, but we were both heroes, and, and we lived as well as possible, um, never referring to it only as his diagnosis, but also it, uh, referring to it as our diagnosis. Um, and we were relieved a little bit to receive the diagnosis, because at least we knew what, what was going on, although we didn't really uh, understand the nature of the roller coaster ride that, that we would be on until his death. Um, I think the major change that took place was that our, our life became more narrow as we focused on uh, dealing with, with, with the dementia, uh, on redefining our, our sense of, of love, relationship, family, and home uh, to meet Greg's changing needs. And uh, as the disease progressed, having to redefine those sometimes took place on a, on a weekly, a daily, and sometimes even an hourly basis. Um, it's easy to look back and talk about all of this, much easier than it was to, uh, to, to live through it. Um, I think that most of your audience knows that, that, that dementia, Alzheimer's, is not just a memory problem. Uh, it includes uh, not only cognitive issues, but also physical, mental, I'm listening, psychological, physiological, social, emotional, medical, and then it gets complicated by the, the many ways that it expresses itself, usually differently for each person, but there are, there are also, I believe, some, some universalities um, in how it expresses itself among people's uh, experiences with it. So um, I was able, to, I, I was retired by then, the, the, the state had a buyout, um, so I was able to retire actually when I was 50 and um, was, was able to devote myself to help Greg live as well as possible during that time, um, to help him compensate for his disappearing abilities while trying uh, very hard to make sure that the respect and communication uh, which had defined our relationship never faltered. Although as the disease progressed, that was a little bit more difficult. Friends and family would say, Michael, you're just so good. You're so wonderful. And yet I, I would beat myself up anyway uh, because I wasn't always as good as I could have been. Um, sometimes uh, the, the, the fear of the disease would speak through me, uh, my frustrations. People would say, Michael, you're only human. Um, but very honestly, that wasn't good enough. Um, I, I, I talk about my, my, my sainthood rating, um, and, and for, for, for a Jewish person, that's interesting. But if my sainthood <laughs> rating went below, an, went below an eight, um, I would feel bad. I, 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 I was easy uh, to, to apologize when, when I was mean uh, to Greg, 
Um, and, and, and often uh, he said to me, Michael, I don't expect you to change. Just be there for me. And, and that's, you know, what I worked really hard at. And um, we, had, we had a great 12 years uh, living with, with, with the Alzheimer's. Um, and, and, and I'm really grateful for all that time together. Um, grateful that I was able to support Greg. And even um, in the midst of all of, of his changes, that he was able to be there uh, for me. Um, and again, our love never faltered. Uh, we, 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 we took care of legal stuff like uh, power of attorney, uh, over uh, what health and all over finances. We, being a same-sex couple, we, we had to have other permissions in place. I'll give you an example. Uh, holding a power of, a, of attorney for a health over Greg, I, for instance, could make a decision uh, to turn off life support and let him pass but the hospital wouldn't necessarily have to let me sit next to him and hold his hand while he was dying because I wasn't family. So we had to have special papers and permissions drawn up. Um, it's a little easier nowadays with, with same-sex couples being able to marry because then all of those privileges come along. Um, but there are, are many uh, gay couples that are not married or uh, gay men and women who are living alone and um, that makes the care a lot more difficult. Um, I might mention that, that living in Chicago, Evanston, which is a suburb of Chicago, um, we were fortunate in that we never, I was never challenged uh, because of the fact that we were a gay couple. Um, maybe that was because I was kind of in their face and that I didn't come in apologizing. And I acknowledged that we are a gay couple. I hold power over Gregory's decisions and um, unspoken, probably letting them know that, that you're dealing with me and don't mess. And, 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 and nobody did. People were very comfortable. People were very um, respectful of our relationship. And I never did encounter any difficulties because of the fact that we were a gay couple. But I, I know that's not true for so many people. Um, out there, not only you know dealing with with medical situations, but very often families uh, kind of turn ugly in in these kind of difficult situations. Uh, Greg's family was always very supportive and loving to this day. They are my family. His nieces and and, and nephews are my nieces and nephews, and they were they're always very supportive in recognizing me basically as, as Greg's spouse. Um, what's interesting, you, I, it was nice hearing you say that Greg was my husband. Um, mm -hmm. In the beginning, I, I'm an older gay. I'm 73 years old. And so I, I come from the era that, if, I, that, that, if, that if, I'm the, if Greg's the husband, does that mean I'm the bride or the, or the wife? <laughs> and, and there was always, always that, that confusion. So I would refer to him as my life partner, my spouse, my significant other. Um, but in this brief, short period uh, where, 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 where gay rights for men and women have come so far, um, I am comfortable now with calling him my husband, uh, just like now there can be two wives, two husbands, two daddies, two mommies. And, and, and in most areas we've come so far, uh, like in Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, um, we have further to go uh, in relation to gay rights. Um, currently, uh, in our world situation in the United States, it, it's subject to being threatened again. Chances are we will never go back in the closet, and uh, no matter how hard we're pushed, not only chances are, but it, it, that won't happen. Um, and um, so that that always makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, so I'm kind of rambling a little bit. Um, let me just say that 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 even though uh, our life narrowed um, because of, of Greg's abilities, um, we did a lot. Uh, we entertained. Uh, we traveled uh, the world, sometimes for a month at a time. Uh, we entertained uh, family and friends. We cooked at home. We went to the opera and other theater events. Uh, traveled uh, Europe, Mexico, U.S., we were able to simplify our life by only keeping the most meaningful parts. Again, I was retired. 
um, at a certain point, we closed Greg's business, and um, we had, we we had a, a, a wonderful uh, life for as long as we could. At a certain point, uh, Greg was not able to do as much, and he became more diminished. Um, he was able to be at home with me for about ten and a half out of the twelve uh, years that we lived with with Alzheimer's. Um, but at a certain point, short of uh, turning the condo into a 24-7 uh, medical ward, I, as a person single uh, here with him in the condo, was not able to meet his needs. And uh, we were very fortunate in finding a wonderful memory care facility, uh, the Lieberman uh, Center uh, in Skokie, which is about 10 minutes away. And um, I was able to visit every day. Uh, the staff at the center uh, were wonderful. Um, I was part of all of the decisions that were made on Greg's behalf. And um, I was able to hire a daycare man to be with him because uh, towards the middle and end, Greg was had pretty much lost language, so he wasn't able to uh, express his needs, wasn't able to feed himself, hydrate himself, bathroom himself. And no matter how good of a memory care facility you have, and many of them have bad reps, but no matter how good of one you can find, it's as if there's never enough time to be able to provide for the needs. Um, unfortunately, uh, bottom line profits often dictate how the centers uh, staff and provide and Sometimes the needs are such that even if they were to provide double the amount of staff providing uh, for what the social emotional needs would be a, a lot more difficult. Um, sure. So having the, having the daycare guy with him gave me peace of mind. Uh, he and Greg developed a, a beautiful relationship. And um, again, Greg lived as well as possible doesn't mean he wasn't frustrated and confused and frightened. Sometimes, uh, every now and then, he would strike out, but you can't really call it violence because the striking out was more because of what the confusion <clears throat> and frustration, um, not because he was was a mean or 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 or, or aggressive person. Um, but for the most part, he he was content and happy enjoyed uh facility enjoyed his new sense of community i think he enjoyed the more narrow range of of responsibilities and focus that his life took and if that was good enough for him it was good enough for me and um hospice then i might mention uh was involved for the last nine months um which, uh, i use the word progress which is a strange use of that word but uh, as long as the person uh, diagnosed uh, with dementia, Alzheimer's, is progressing with the illness, um, you're entitled to hospice. And the care that they gave was so amazingly wonderful. Um, and also they helped me cope, understand the trajectory of the disease, understand uh, the process of, of dying. Um, and and they, they, they really made a situation that's never easy, a little bit easier. Um, I did get a, a call, um, well, maybe three days before Greg passed, that they thought uh, Greg was preparing himself to pass. And um, he was in a coma for those three days. And um, on the, on the, I didn't feel the, the need to uh, keep a vigil because of the, the, the nurses were doing such a good job. And knowing Greg, I, I decided that he most likely needed, even though he was, was in his uh, non-responsive coma, that, that, that privacy and, and solitude was important to him and it had always been uh, throughout our relationship. And that it would, my being in the room when he passed would only make it more difficult uh, for him because of our great love for each other. And so on the day before he passed, I crawled into bed with him and put my head on his shoulder. I apologized again for those times that I had been mean or had lacked compassion. Um, what I heard him say, although it was in my mind, so maybe it was him, maybe it wasn't, was, Michael, 
even as you were being mean, I was forgiving you. So don't beat mm. yourself up. And that kind yep. of made me feel a little bit more content. He and I had had this conversation before. I said, when you're ready, leave. When you're ready, die and, and beyond. Uh, be done with, 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 with your current set of circumstances. And um, I'll miss you, but I, I love you and I will be okay. Um, and then I, a little miracle kind of happened. I got out of bed and I kissed him on his open mouth three times. And again, this is what a non-responsive and in a coma for three days. And on the third kiss, um, he briefly opened his eyes and kissed me back. And that was his, that was his goodbye. Uh, and he passed the next day. Wow. Uh, grief. I can't, I can't even begin to talk about grief. Uh, everybody goes through it in their own way. When when you have a great love, obviously the grief is going to be great and difficult, but you need to, to do it in your own way and do it in your own time. I did have some, some people who said, come on, Michael, you got to get on with it. And I would say, don't tell me how to grieve. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll get on with it when I'm ready. I'll get on with it when I'm ready. Um, and, and, there are some theories out there that, that, that grief never really uh, disappears or ends. It's just that you continue to grow larger than the grief as you, you establish your, uh, your new life without your loved one. Um, and, and for me, I think that's true. I, I will always carry that grief. Um, but it, it is easier, and I have moved on to continue my life uh, to live in a, in a meaningful way, in a way that, that I can enjoy life and have fun, in a way that I can continue to tell Gregory and my love story um, to let other uh, LGBT community people know you're not alone. Um, as you mentioned, there, I, I've, I've done some research on that. There's very little out there in support of uh, uh, LGBT uh, partners yeah. who are going through what I went through. Um, so my telling the story... Um, feels good to be able to, to, again, say, you know, you're not alone. Um, exactly. Well, why don't I stop there and let you ask me a few questions or okay. find well, how to I proceed? Wanna, yeah, first I want to um, just hit some points because you put some things very eloquently. I loved you stating we, we weren't victims, we were heroes. You know, you weren't sufferers, you were survivors. It wasn't his diagnosis, yeah. it was ours. I mean, you guys were in this together, and, and the disappearing really abilities. Were. You focused on the abilities, and they, as they peeled away, you still, you still grasped hold of what abilities were there, where, where you could find joy. And I, I loved how you still yeah. lived a full life. You know, you didn't you didn't turn your life over to this disease. You didn't you didn't walk away, which no. for many is hard because the doctors kind of set you up for that. Um, many of them, they you know, do. get they your do. get your papers yes. in order. You know, you don't have much time, and they push you out the door maybe with a maybe with a prescription and always another appointment, but not a lot of resources and not a lot of hope. No. And so I, I love that the two of you were able to to go through that. I, I loved your rating of your sainthood. I think that's brilliant the way you yeah. the way you phrase that because I think uh so many care partners or care companions or caregivers or carers, whatever you term it, you know, we beat ourselves up really bad. And and our yes, our inner critic definitely. can just be screaming at us. And for you to find kind of a scale point and then to be able to talk with him about it and say you know, I, I love when, when Greg said to you, I, I don't expect you to change. You know, I love who you are. And, and you did that before. Exactly. And I did it before. We're human. This is, we have a range of emotions. And don't don't lose that. And don't feel guilty for having right. those. Let's just move through those. Um, are you talking about but I, I the... Will, I, mm-hmm. I would say I, I will add that doesn't mean that you don't feel guilty anyway. But yep. you're maybe been better able to, to to throw that off and move on. Um, mm-hmm. a, after his death, I think part of the grieving process was reliving all those times that I was not as nice as I could have been, um, and then forgiving myself. Um, 
interesting. I never felt I had to forgive Greg. I mean, the blame never went towards him. Um, and in some ways, never towards the disease. It just was. Um, and and you get you get through it. You know, sometimes someone's ill and someone will say to you, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray um, for that, that everything gets better. And sometimes better is not on this side of life. Sometimes it gets better for the other person because of the fact that they're able to pass mm-hmm. and move on. Um, and, and I, and I, uh, again, I think as I get older, it's a little easier to embrace the fact that if you embrace life fully, you also have to embrace death as, as part of the partnership. Um, what makes life so wonderful is the fact that, you know, death is, is there on your doorstep and you, you probably knew that since the day you were born. And when you're able to begin, I think, to welcome death, it makes you able to, to live life more fully, uh, with fewer apologies, and uh, and certainly again a, a lesser amount of guilt. So by now I have been able, I think, uh, which is why I said recently I'm able to say I'm a hero as well. I I don't feel guilty anymore. I know I did the best job I could. Um, I know that Greg knew how much I loved him right up until the last minute, and how much uh, I love you know he loved me. And um, and it feels good. I might throw in a plug for one of the, one of the uh, links uh, on your on your your page there that people can go to uh, for Alzheimer's a Love Story, which was a beautiful documentary that was made about uh, Greg and me maybe about four or five months before he passed. Ironically, it was made by the son of his college roommate and best friend. Uh, the <laughs> son was uh, attending attending Chapman University. And what what this team of of college students, four four people, were able to do was to take Gregory and my 41 year love relationship, our 12 years of living uh, with Alzheimer's dementia, and um, distilling it into a beautiful 15 minute love story. And um, it it's won over uh, acceptance into over 90 film festivals, which is like mm-hmm. just blown me away. Um, we've received 25 awards, which is just, I continue to be amazed at. Uh, the, the two most prestigious of which were from the American Pavilion of the Cannes Film Festival. And um, people can, can see the documentary if they choose. It, it's uh, free on Amazon Prime, or I think for $2.99, you can watch it on Amazon, on Vimeo, and I think Seed and Spark. It's like all there uh, in your links. And mm-hmm. um, and I've also been making presentations, talking to book clubs, church groups, doctors groups, uh, medical students. Um, I think the, the, the biggest uh, presentations I made, one was to the North Shore University Healthcare System, which is one of, of the top uh, systems in the Chicago area. And then at uh, a recent Alzheimer's disease uh, international conference uh, in Chicago here. Um, and, and, and again, I'm amazed that people received the story. And, and, and I had about 150 people. I was the first presenter in our session um, at the ADI conference. And, and I told the story in the best way that I could. I did get choked up then, um, but I did deep breathe and keep going. Um, and ended up receiving a standing ovation um, from 150 people in the session. And that just, again, blew me away because you have to remember, I came out during a time and, and, and an experience of homosexuality wasn't called gay yet when um, it was not talked about in private and public and, and polite uh, conversations um, that you would walk down the street and, and have people yell at you, faggot. Um, or if you happen to be in a gay neighborhood and you're walking down the street uh, coming home from a couple drinks with friends at a local bar, uh, being beat up or, or, or chased or, or, or just even walking along the street in fear, looking over your shoulder. And in many ways, I guess I still carry that with me. So I'm still so amazed, I guess, and pleased that, that Gregory and my story um, is, is receiving such attention and love back as much as I loved Gregory. It's like, we're getting that much love back 
and that just it just is, is very gratifying to me. And um, um, and again, I thank you in part. Thank you in part for letting me uh, share the story uh, on your on your wonderful uh, program. Well, thank you. It's um, I, you know, I, love is love is love. You know, and it, it doesn't it doesn't make any difference. It, it's just it's it's deep and it's touching and it needs to be it needs to be respected. And one of the things that I wanted to um, touch base with you on is. If you had to do anything over, you know, during your 12 years with Gregory, is what would you do differently, or or are you really comfortable in how how you how you lived and dealt with mm. the disease? Well, in in many ways, I think we really did a good job, uh, and I, and again, I use the word we. I think we both did a really good job. Um, I wasn't always perfect, as I mentioned. Um, and again, when my foot rating dropped down to a 7.5, or when I was really upset with myself, I had to get it up to at least over an 8. And the closer to 10 I could get it, the nicer. Um, but there are, there are things that I would have done differently if I had known better. Um, the more I learn about the, about the disease, there are more ways that, that you can... Uh, deal with the nonverbal communications from the person effect to be able to understand what it is that they're going through. Um, I, I've befriended a number of people who are uh, diagnosed uh, with, with dementia and, and, and they're, they're still able to be uh, so clear and articulate and beautifully express uh, what it is that they go through uh, to give me a, a better understanding of, of what Greg must have gone through, because even though I tried to talk about it with him, it, uh, I think there was a buffer there where he didn't really understand what he was going through or wasn't able to articulate it. Um, I think I would have spent a lot more time just sitting there holding his hand. Um, I think I would have probably tried to be a little bit kinder, but again, when you're in the heat of the situation, you do the best you can. Um, but for the most part, I think we really did do a wonderful job. And, and our life really was full with family and friends and food and entertainment and travel. Uh, in the midst of it, we bought a new condo in downtown Evanston. Uh, and, and, and even though by then, I was doing most of the decision-making. I was able to have Greg be my partner. I could, Greg being an architect in interior design, I'd say, well, you know, hon, what, what color do you think the, the living room should be? And, and he'd say, well, what do you think? And I'd say, well, here, look at these two paint chips. What, I like them both. And he says, I do too. Why don't you pick one of those? So, so in many ways, when he recognized that he wasn't able to, to be as active in the decision-making process. Um, he was able to defer and give me that ability. Um, and, and so, again, um, I do feel full. I do feel content. I would love to have him back, but obviously that's not possible. And I would never want to have him back. Um, if he had to be the way he was towards the, the end of, of, the, of the disease, um, and people will say to me, Michael, I'm so sorry, you know, especially – uh, during the beginning of, of sharing and talking about him when, when he passed early on in passing, people would say, Michael, I'm so sorry. And I'll say, you know, maybe I should just be above it and say thank you and be done, but that's not who I am. I need to say I am not sorry that Gregory died. Uh, I miss him. I'm sad. I'm lonely. But I'm happy that he decided it was time for him to move on. And how selfish would it be of me to want to keep him here just because I wanted to keep him here? That, that's not part of any relationship. And, and, that, and that doesn't respect, I don't think, any relationship. Um, again, he was ready to move on, and I gave him my blessing and permission if he needed it. But I wanted to make sure that he didn't feel he had to hang on to make me feel better because what made me feel better was the fact that he decided to leave. Yeah. So that's so my he was long answer to your, to your short question. <laughs> you know, um, well, I, I, I feel, I feel full. No, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I don't think. 
Well, and I loved that when you answered that, you said I would probably hold his hand more. It wasn't anything big or fancy. It was just that simple connection of being together and being present. Yes. And and I think so often in this fast-paced life that we live nowadays is is we we blow past the beauty of uh, and the power of the simple things of life. The the ones that really fill our hearts and our souls, you know, maybe not our, our bank books or, you know, our portfolios, um, but it fills us as a being. And, and I think, you know, I think we have to get back to valuing that more. And one of the things I'm, I'm going to just do a plug here for a new organization to the U S it's called world kindness USA. And you can find out more about them by just going to worldkindnessusa.org. But they're all about, elevating the goodness within us and how we treat one another. And it's, it really is for the most part, it's the simple stories that are shared that, you know, it is good. It is powerful to be living in this time. And, you know, we hear so much negativity that's out there and it's nice to hear stories like, like yours and, and Gregory's it's, uh, it's just, I think it's good good for all of our souls. I also liked when you uh, mentioned that, you know, about the guilt, that you could let it go, but, I mean, it was still there. But one of the things that I noticed in, in my role with my mom, and I see it in so many others, that, and I hear it from them too, is we, we, we raise the standards of who we're supposed to be when we're caring for someone else, that we're supposed to be perfect, that we're not supposed to have those lapses. And yet every person I've talked to with dementia, like Gregory, says, you know, I forgive you. I, I, I don't even need to forgive you. That's who you are. Um, this is our relationship. This is this is part of life. This is how we've always been. You know, it's it's just us. Yes. And, it, yes. and it's okay. Yeah. And and yeah. so, I, again, having those conversations, I think, with <clears throat> with people are, is very, very important. Now, from a, you know, finding... Let me, before, before you ask that question, hold, hold on to it for one minute. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the humorous things that took place between Gregory and I is um, that, that after we had had kind of a, a misunderstanding blow up and we both apologized, we laughed and said, you know, we're a married couple and married couples always fight. So <laughs> this is how we fight. It's just, it's just that it's about Alzheimer's. You know, yep. um, and so the fact that, that we would have these fights, quote unquote, um, we're, we're okay because that, that everybody fights. Also, yep. Gregory had posted right next to his bed um, uh, three words, love, simplicity, and compassion. Mm. And, 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 that, and, and you had mentioned all three of those in, in your comment before about sometimes it's the simple things that are so important. Um, yeah. and, and certainly they were important to, to Gregory and, and me as well. I'm sorry, then go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is how did you find kind of a peace of mind and solace and comfort with this journey? Um, you had mentioned, you know, re- religion, um, your relationship. Can you expand on that a little bit? Mm, sure. Um, let me preface it by saying um, I, 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 these are, are, are my personal views. Um, they're what helped Gregory and, and what helped me especially to find peace of mind and, and to cope. Um, I think whatever religious or spiritual uh, avenue a person takes, uh, to make themselves uh, feel better in, in light of, of a horrible, difficult situation is important. Um, I was raised as a Jew, but, but Judaism never really gave me uh, contact with a personal God or understanding um, or, or peace of mind. Um, maybe it was because I was not as educated or studied uh, even though I did have my bar mitzvah and went to temple very often, Gregory. Can, I, so now I consider myself a cultural Jew because because I do embrace the culture of Judaism. Gregory considered himself um, a uh, what did he call himself? A um, he was raised Catholic, 
Um, but he kind of reclaimed himself as a recovered Catholic because, okay. again, he never found peace or solace in the church or in their teachings. Both of us had always been interested in the teachings of Buddha. Um, Buddhism, in many ways, is not a religion, but it's a belief system. And about halfway through uh, our diagnosis, about year six or seven, when I was kind of at my lowest, I decided that, that I just needed to develop a way to get away from myself because I just could not remove myself from the situation day to day, living and coping with, with, with dementia. And so I, I ended up signing up for a, um, a Buddhist uh, meditation class and, 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 and discovered uh, a woman who I call my guru, um, she always gets embarrassed when I call her that. Um, but she really did, through helping me uh, understand meditation, find some peace of mind. Um, I've gone on to read and study and, and, and think a lot about uh, Buddhism. And for me, that's where I find peace of mind and comfort. And I attribute um, getting through um, Gregory and my ordeal we didn't suffer, but it was an ordeal at times, um, with a certain amount of peace of mind. Um, I do attribute that to my studies in Buddhism. So again, I think for, for anybody that has faith in something or a spiritual relationship to anything, that that, that is going to help you through. Um, I think the biggest message I always got as I meditated was, quote, unquote, Michael, you are not alone. There are forces greater than you could ever hope to begin to imagine. They are there to, to be with you and to support you. A lot of people would say, see, Michael, that's God. And I'd say, well, I appreciate that. But in my mind, I don't know what to call that. Maybe a, a power. Maybe, maybe I'm the spark of that power. Maybe Greg was a spark of that power, and now he's reunited with that power. If, if you want to call it God, I respect that. If you want to say you're praying for me, I respect that. Um, but, but for me, it's different than that. And, and again, I think, it, as I said before, you know, uh, faith in anything and spirituality in something, and that should be able to help you through. Okay, great. Um, we only have a little over 10 minutes left, but I wanted to um, ask you, you you've, you've really done a wonderful job kind of explaining. I feel like I know Gregory, which is, which is fun. And um, thank you. Uh, but I would, but I would like to, um, if you wouldn't mind, if you would share some of your advice to give others about loving and living fully with someone with dementia um, or, you know, form of a uh, form of it. Yeah. Kind of a hard one. Um, I think probably what you need to do is understand that the that the overarching um, guider guidance system uh, is is to capitalize on the love that you have for the person. Um, it, it's I think sometimes when you're again when you're in the heat of the difficulty of day to day. Living with dementia, it's easy to forget the love. But if, but if you're able to, to remind yourself of that love, um, I, I think that, that makes it a little easier. Uh, for example, at the point that, that, that Gregory was having trouble getting dressed, I would go to the trouble of getting all of his clothes out, laying them neatly on the bench in the bedroom so that he didn't have to worry about that anymore because he really couldn't do that anymore. And so then what he would do is he would uh, take the underwear into the bathroom and wash his face, brush his teeth, and then come out and not know what to do. And I'd get pissed. And I'd say, Gregory, you just took the underwear in the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, here I was taking all this extra energy to lay out his clothes, and even that wasn't working. Well, in looking back, obviously, I wasn't mad at Gregory. I was mad at, at the situation. Um, I, I was angry with, 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 with uh, the fact that this wasn't running smoothly, but, but he wasn't doing that on purpose. He wasn't doing that to help me, uh, hurt me, or upset me. Um, so, you know, you, you just have to 
take some deep breaths and keep going. Um, another thing that helped me is um, I, I turned to writing. Uh, being an educator, I've always written. I've taught English and writing to, to, to younger students. I taught them the importance of keeping a journal. Um, and so what would happen is at the point that the Greg and I were no longer able to talk about these situations that we would go through that would backfire on me. Um, I, I used to call that Alzheimer's always wins. Um, I was able to then go and sit down at my computer and write about the experience and process my emotions and come to conclusions. Um, and that gave me closure and made me feel better. So it's like the computer became part of, of Gregory and my relationship because we had been so used to talking things through and discussing things, coming to consensus, understanding, forgiving, and all of a sudden that all started uh, disappearing and being shaky. So I could rely on my computer to give me that understand processing ability. And then I, I turned that into a blog, um, which, which was fairly uh, well-received by family and friends, because it was a way to keep them abreast of what was going on with Craig and me, but also many other people out there who just needed some of, some of that advice through finding out what others are doing and, and lessons other people are learning. So by, 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 by turning to writing, that really helped me a lot. Um, advice people always give to you, which I resent, is be good to yourself. And I always wanted to get mad at them and say, you know, don't tell me how to, how, to, how to behave or what to do. I'm doing the best I can. But you, the reality is you really do need to be good to yourself. At a certain point, I hired some young companions from Northwestern University to be with Greg. And they would go about their business. They'd go to the show or they'd go shopping and cook dinner. And i just disappear. And having that time to myself really helped. I, I had to, to go out of my way to be good to myself. One of the young companions, well, they, they all became family, but one of them became such family that I had confidence enough to let him stay in the condo with Greg on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I took a deep breath and took myself on a vacation to New Orleans. Um, it was refreshing and renewing, and I had a great time. I was lonely being in New Orleans without Greg, um, but I also felt really good on coming back that I had taken that opportunity and that I was good to myself. Um, it's hard to be good to yourself when the person you love so dearly is doing the best they can and, and you are too, and, and it sometimes feels like a like you're in a drive around and you're going round and round and round in circles and don't even know where the next stop is going to be. Um, the, the concept of um, long-term grief and anticipatory grief has a toll on a caregiver. And I think when you're, when you're aware of that, um, you can start to be a little bit better to yourself, anticipating what's the next loss, what's the next ability that's going to fail. When am I going to get upset again with him? Um, when am I going to get to the point where I don't know how to take care of him or what to do? Um, anticipating those losses and then over time takes a toll. And, and, and the caregiver is affected with this uh, long-term grief, uh, not only emotionally but mentally and physically. And, and don't the statistics say that very often the caregiver dies first? because they stop taking care of themselves and they're so stressed out and or miss their own doctor's appointments, et cetera, and, and therefore they end up predeceasing the person with the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Um, so you really do need to be better to yourself. Um, yep. Another piece of advice is, is uh, internet a lot, uh, read a lot. But what I found is I'd buy a book and read it, but then I put it down because I didn't want to know what the future was going to bring. Um, so I, I didn't want to get into that part of the book that talked much past where I was with Gregory at the stage we were at because I didn't need to know what was coming next. Um, also, again, a sense of family and home and love and relationship is when you put your energies not necessarily medicalizing or depending on the doctors. What can a doctor really do 
when you're dealing with a, an uncurable disease that's going to progress no matter what. Um, the doctors were there towards the end to help make Greg's life and his passing as comfortable as possible. But during the heat of the Alzheimer's, doctors cannot do much. Um, and sometimes I think that they're just as intimidated by not knowing what to say or not knowing what to do. And maybe the a place that, is, uh, that the doctors could improve is at least know how to refer you uh, to get support from a religious group, from a social worker, um, from the Internet, from reading, um, as opposed to just scheduling your next appointment. I started telling the doctors, I don't want to come back quarterly. I'll see you next year because mm-hmm. they only confirmed what I already knew. Um, not their fault. They're doing the best they can, I think, but, but they could do a little bit better with some dissemination of where to go for support. So exactly. that's, that's kind of me rambling on a little bit about advice to others. Okay. Well, do well the best good. You I... can. Do the best you can, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you, you talked about adapting to, you know, as the disease progresses. And that's what we do in all of life, but we seem to look at it different when someone gets sick. But all of life is yes. natural for us to adapt and to change and to try to, um, how do I want to say, uh, try to amplify our abilities in no matter what situation it yes. is. That's just kind of human yes. nature. And so it doesn't change with disease. You know, or it shouldn't change no, it if you if you really want to live fully. I I agree with you with journaling and and speaking and talking openly about it. It it is empowering. It is. Um, I I I found it psychologically helpful. But one of the things that I saw was you know people want to fix you if they see that you're grieving or if you're frustrated. And I I always yes. remind people that sometimes I, I just need to vent. I just need to release what's inside me and know it's in a safe yes. spot and know that you're still here for me, but it, we can't fix this, but I just need to get it out no. so that I can move on. And so sometimes just yes. being a listening post can be so helpful, uh, you know, to someone who is is dealing with anything, you know, and then ask yes. if you want to if you know, do you want some help and if so what could I do? Um, I, I loved how you corrected as, people with verbiage and stuff, you know, saying, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. And as, Gregory, as Gregory said, sometimes just be there. You yep. don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Sometimes, as I wanted to do more with Greg, just sitting there with the person who's grieving, just hold their hand. Just exactly. sit there, be, be there with them. And, and, yeah. and, and that... That, that, that does a, a, an amazing, amazing, uh, uh, shares an amazing amount of, of love and compassion. Exactly. And I, I love how you talk about growing larger than the grief. You know, you're, you know, we're all chameleons in this life and we're always changing and molding into something new and all types of emotions are normal. And yet in society, we shun many of them. And, yes. you know, yes. we're told we shouldn't have them, but we all have them. And so I think if we talk about them, we'll probably have less intensity of some of the ones that we don't really like hanging around with. Um, if, we're, if, right. we're just, right. <laughs> if we're just honest, people won't bubble yes. it up in a cage. And part, part, and of I, that new, mm-hmm. part of that new understanding and growing larger than the grief is that sometimes then, and for me, even three years later, and probably for the rest of my life, a song an occasion, a holiday, a birthday comes up, it's as if you just spiral right back to the beginning of that grief and the strength of it. Um, And I think you just need to allow it some time and then get back on the bicycle and and keep riding and you'll find that you can get back to that larger look at life again more easily. Um, but, but grief does have a way of periodically uh, showing up again, um, and, and, and it's, it, it, it'll be there probably forever. 
Yep, exactly. Well, we need to wrap up here. So I want to, we have listed your your website, um, Horvick.com. You can also get the Alzheimer's Love Story, um, a 15-minute documentary by going there. Uh, Michael also writes a blog, um, which is, uh, again, listed on the site. You can just click on that and go to it. And then uh, he he's written some poetry that you can see at uh, Barnes & Noble or pick up on Amazon as well. Thank you so much for being with us. I think this was a really informative um, conversation and very, very, very hopeful. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story, Michael. And thank you so much, Lori, for being there for me and for the opportunity to share the story. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.